Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We are in a place in the story, uh, in Matthew's gospel, in the story of Jesus's birth and an early life that I feel like I need to give sort of a, a heads up on who everybody is, who the players are, because it's beginning to feel a little bit like uh, the old Abbott and Costello routine, who's on first. And so if you don't know that, go look up Abbott and Costello, who's on first, and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast, because it would be worth your while to do so. So what, I t- what I'm talking about here is, is that, that it gets kind of confusing here. During this period of time, there's two big sources of confusion. One of them I'm going to address. The other one I'm going to leave all alone because it's not worth it. it. It doesn't actually help much. But here it helps to know who the players are at least. And so the, the issue becomes then, then what is going on here and who are these people that we're dealing with. So remember that Herod had called in the, the wise men when they came, and then he called in the Jewish rabbis and and the um, the chief priests as well. And so that Herod is who is known as Herod the Great, right? So then because of Herod the Great, the wise men go the other way because they know that, that he is not to be trusted, that what he told them he wanted to do, which was worship this child, was a complete lie. And so they went the other way to go back home. And then Joseph is warned in a dream to flee to Egypt with Mary and Jesus for the same reason, because of Herod. And then Herod, Herod the Great, goes and kills all the children under two who were born in Bethlehem around that time. So you've got Herod the Great, and then um, Joseph and Mary flee. They go to Egypt, and then they come back because Joseph had a dream that told them they should come back, um, rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. And... um, for those who sought the child's life were dead, and that's Herod who seeks the child's life. Because before, he had had the word, rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So now he's told to rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life or dead. And he rose, he, Joseph, rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus... And that word, that's a, that's a sort of a two-part name. And, and the first part, arche, means ruler. And the second part, laos, means people. So he's ruler of the people is literally what he is named. And, and that people, laos, right? So that is laity. It's the same word. So here we get ruler of the people. So ruler of the people was reigning over Judea, which is Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and that area, in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. He, Joseph, was afraid to go there to Judea. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. So he's got three dreams. First dream, well, really four. four first dream, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because of this story about how she got pregnant. And he, he did exactly what he was told. Then rise and flee and take the mother and child to Egypt because there's somebody who wants to destroy him. Then return to the land of Israel. That's the third dream. And the fourth dream then would be the one that tells him where to go. So he was warned in a dream. So he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. 
Now, that's an odd thing, because as, um, as we find out in John's gospel, the, the idea of anything good coming from Nazareth was not something that most people would have imagined. And yet, here Matthew finds a prophecy that says he's going to be called a Nazarene. And so here we get that story. So who is Archelaus? And the reason we need to stop and deal with that right now is because Archelaus is not going to be around at the end of the story. There's going to be yet another Herod in place, and that's going to be Herod Antipas. And so what I want to do is, is set the stage. You might want to bookmark this one because, well, it's going to be important, and I'm probably not going to do this whole thing again. I'll probably give a quick summary when we get to that point. But now what I want to do is I want to set the stage for you so you'll know who all the players are. And so you'll know who we're talking about, and you'll have a good picture in your head of the sort of chaotic Roman rulership at that time, the people who were appointed to rule over Judea and Galilee, because Herod Antipas, who will show up later, was the Tetrarch up in Galilee at this time. So there's a Herod in Galilee, there's a Herod um, who is called Archelaus, who is down in Judea, and then there was Herod the Great, who has now died. So I want to tell you a little bit about his death, and then I'm going to give you the players a little bit. So that Herod the Great died in Jericho, actually, which was where, remember, Joshua brought the people into the land. The first conquest in the land was the city of Jericho, and there was a curse placed on the city of Jericho that it never be rebuilt. And then if it was rebuilt, then it would be rebuilt at the cost of um, firstborn children of the one who tried to rebuild it. And sure enough, we find that later that that has actually happened. <clears throat> so Herod died in Jericho after an excruciatingly painful, putrefying, which means stinking, illness of uncertain cause, known to posterity as Herod's evil. Josephus, the, the Roman historian, the Jewish Roman historian, states the pain of his illness had Herod want to attempt suicide by stabbing himself to death, and the attempt was thwarted by his cousin. In some later narratives, the, the attempt succeeds, <clears throat> but in other, other people will follow Josephus' account, so there's no great uh, way of knowing what actually happened. Josephus is who we're going to stay with, because Josephus is the person that we most often default to in the history of this time. So he said that Herod was so concerned because he knew people hated him. He, he was so concerned that would, nobody would be there to mourn his death that what he did was he had a large group of distinguished men come to Jericho, and then he gave an order that they should be killed at the time of his death so that the displays of grief that he craved would take place. They wouldn't be for him, but nobody would know that for certain. There would be grieving people, and that's all he really wanted. And so... The good news is Archelaus and his sister Salome, who we meet later, <coughs> didn't carry out that wish. So Archelaus came to power after the death of Herod the Great, and Herod the Great died in either 3 or 4 B.C. So he was not, they were not long in Egypt. That was a very short, short sojourn there. <clears throat> and it sounds like, in essence, that what happens is, is that, that because of Herod's reaction to the wise men heading in the opposite direction and his failure to actually kill the one born king of the Jews, what it sounds like to me is, is that, that his actions in Bethlehem are, are probably what prompted God's judgment, and I believe that's what happened, with the death in Jericho that we just talked about. And so it was very short. It was either 3 or 4 B.C., and Jesus is born in either 3 or 4 B.C., so it's not a long sojourn in Egypt. And so then, so Archelaus comes, and he takes his place, but he doesn't have the same amount of power that his father had, because he, well, he had other brothers 
So those other brothers got some of that power as well. And we meet those people in Luke's gospel. And he tells us all these things at that time. And so what he gets, Archelaus, is, is what's called an ethnarch. So he rules over a particular ethnic group of people. And in this case, that is the Jews. And so he has about half the territorial dominion that his father had, but he is the ruler over the Jews. And remember what I told you, Herod the Great was called King of the Jews. And so when, when Judean, the province of Judea is Roman, and so when that was formed, he was given that to rule over. And so Josephus writes that Herod the Great, um, during the final trip to Jericho, was involved, of course, as always, in a, in a religious conflagration. He put an eagle, golden eagle over the temple in Jerusalem, which was perceived by the Jews as blasphemous. And that eagle then was chopped down by the Jews with axes. Two teachers and about 40 other youths were arrested in connection with that, and they were all killed. So Herod defended his works and offered an attack on his predecessors, the Hismonians, the people who had, who had conquered his people and forced them to convert to Judaism, but to one of whom he had married. So he killed all, at this time, he killed all the male lineal successors of the Hasmoneans, which makes it extremely bizarre to me that, that historians doubt the account that Matthew gives of the slaughter of the innocents at Bethlehem at the same time. He's proven his character. We know exactly who he is. And so what he does is he kills all the male successors of the Hasmonean dynasty, the people who preceded him in power. And with, so with that background, then Joseph, Josephus begins an exposition of, of the days of Archelaus's reign before the Passover of 4 B.C., and, and there's a reason that that matters. So he, dressed in white, ascends a golden throne and appeared to be kind to the populace in order to appease their desires for lower taxes and an end to the imprisonment of enemies that his father had carried out. So he began to have sort of a, a public dialogue with the people. Well, that kind of turned in a direction he wasn't too happy about because they wanted to know and they wanted to punish the people who carried out the murder of the two teachers and the 40 youths. And then they wanted to replace the high priest with somebody who was of greater piety and purity. They didn't raise up a name particularly, but, but the real problem was that Herod the Great is the one who had installed the current high priest. And so what they wanted was that guy replaced. They wanted him replaced with somebody who was actually a religious Jew rather than a political appointee. So Archelaus then sent a general and some other folks, and finally a tribune in command of a cohort, so these are all Romans, um, to reason with these, quote, seditionists, they're insurrectionists, to stop their innovations and wait until Archelaus could return from Rome and Caesar. He was getting his kingship there. And so those who came, those the people he appointed, were stoned <laughs> with many killed. And after the stoning, those who, were, who stoned them just returned to their sacrifices as if nothing had happened. I mean, this is insane. They had to expect that this was going to go so badly. It was unbelievable. Well, Archelaus, of course, was furious. And he ordered the entire army into the city, to the temple. And the records of Josephus show that there were 3,000 people killed that day by the soldiers. And then he sent heralds into the city announcing cancellation of Passover. Well, if, if he could have done anything to infuriate 
the Jews of that time more than than killing 3,000 of them in one day and then canceling Passover completely, then I don't know what it would have been. So this there's a good reason to go up into Galilee to get away from this Archelaus because he was not a good guy either. He was more like his father than, than you would want them to be. And then what we get, though, at the end is Herod Antipas, who is weaker, but, but who at the same time is doing what he can to appease the Jews, but he doesn't understand the Jews at all. He's doing these, these cosmetic things that he thinks will make everybody happy, but, but they're not making everybody happy at all. They're horrible missteps along the way. And, and, and that's why, though, because of this uprising and rebellion and, and Archelaus' overreach in the response to that, there's this huge tension in Jerusalem and in all of the Judean province, and that explains a fair bit of the tension between Rome and the Jews. And it also explains why the Pharisees are so concerned about what might happen if if these people, these uneducated masses, decide they want Jesus to be the king, and if they push that too hard, then, then they already know what Rome, through the Herods, might do. And so we've got this huge problem now, and, and so I want to introduce you a little bit to Antipas, who is the Herod we meet at the time of the crucifixion, the, also the Herod that we meet through John the Baptist. He, he was not Herod's first choice of an heir. He had a couple of others called Aristobulus and Alexander. They were his sons by that Hasmonean princess that I told you about earlier, Mary Amney. So they were his chosen leaders. They were actually Jewish. So he, he wanted them to be in charge, but it was only after, well, they were executed. <laughs> and Herod's oldest son, Antipater, was convicted of trying to poison his father. I mean, what a great family this is, right? I mean, what a wonderful group of people. These are exactly the kind of people you'd want to rule, right? So it was only after all of that that the now elderly Herod fell back on his youngest son, Antipas, revising his will to make him the heir. However... <laughs> Because it sounded like I was saying the wrong thing, didn't it? But that I'm not. Because what happened is, during that illness, when he was down in Jericho, the one that led to his death, he had another change in heart. And so what he did was, he took Archelaus. Again, not a Jew by birth. They, they were not children of Mary Amney. They were children of his first wife, Doris. Which sounds so weird, it's, it's unbelievable. But anyway, that, that's what happened. So he had a change of heart, and he decides, no, I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up Archelaus as king of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria. Idumea is where the Herods were from. That was the group that was, that was conquered by the Hasmonean dynasty and then forced to convert to Judaism. They are, it, it's, they're Edomites. And so then Judea, Idumea, and Samaria, those are what was known as the formerly in the northern kingdom of Israel after the death of Solomon when the kingdom was split into ten and two. So that's where they're from. So Archelaus is going to be over Judea, which is not where they're from, but Idumea and Samaria, which is where they are from. And then Antipas was going to get the northern part of that region. He's going to get Galilee and Perea along with a lesser title. He's a tetrarch, not an ethnarch. And then Philip, another son, is going to get some other places. He's a tetrarch as well. So those two are tetrarchs, and, and then um, Archelaus is king, of Judea, and he is an ethnarch. He is over the Jews. So anything that pertains to the Jews, wherever it happens, can ultimately be appealed to the ethnarch. 
That's the reason for, for things the way they go the way they do with Jesus in his trial. Pilate passed it on or did his best to pass it on to Herod because, well, you're the ethnarch. You're the one who is ultimately in control. And then you see the same thing in Paul with his trial. That's the reason the appeal goes up to the Herods is because they're ethnarchs. They're not just over regions. They're over groups of people. But not at the time. Antipas is not. Archelaus is. So early in the reign, I mean, this is how goofy these people are and what they, what they try to do that, that feels like, oh, we've got to fix something here, and this will make the Jews happy. So early in his reign, Antipas, the brother who was, who was up in Galilee, who was a tetrarch, he married the daughter of King Aretas, the fourth of Nabatea, from the Nabataean Empire. That's a, that's a big empire that you'd want to have an alliance with to, to keep peace in that region. So on a visit to Rome, though, he stayed with his half-brother, Herod II, and there he fell in love with his wife, well, Herodias, who was granddaughter of Herod the Great and Mariamne. So that's the, the, the rub between um, John the Baptist and Herod is over this, that he, he has a wife, and then he falls in love with his brother, half-brother's wife, who is Jewish, and then they agreed to marry after Herod Antipas divorced his wife. Now, the, the daughter learned of the plan and asked permission to travel to the frontier fortress of Machuiris, where the Nabataean forces escorted her to his father. With the daughter safe in his custody, Aretas now could declare war on Herod. And Josephus says that Aretas was joined in this war by fugitives from the Tetrarchy of Philip. I mean, it's a mess. It's an enormous mess. But he ends up marrying that woman. And that's why John the Baptist calls him out, because he's, he's married his brother's wife, which is against Jewish law. So you see this huge mess. I mean, it would probably have been smarter, actually, for Rome to have removed these clowns completely and put them in some other region. Because all the... Um, the elements necessary for this to go badly are right there in those Herods, and they're right in that group of people. And they're the ones who, who consistently drove the Jews crazy and, and, and caused them to rebel against their rule, and, and ultimately they're the ones who are in charge in AD 70 when the temple falls. Without any question, though, God had the people that he wanted to be in place exactly where they were at the time of Jesus. Everything necessary for, for this to go the way it did was in place. It's not to say that, that, no, that people were not um, free to act, and they did. But, the, but they did so with all these different pressures and all these different considerations. So the Jews wanted—the the Pharisees particularly—wanted peace with Rome because they were, they were prospering at that time. So the people— were under subjection, and they were struggling with life, with the tax collectors and everything else. So when Jesus um, saves uh, Zacchaeus, he changes the lives of the ordinary people there, because now you've got an honest tax collector, so your tax rates are going to go down. The people are going to have more prosperity because of Zacchaeus's conversion. Jesus did a great favor for the people of that region, which is around Jericho, um, that 
he did a great favor for the people of that region in calling Zacchaeus to himself, even though it was scandalous to the religious leadership. The religious leadership had much to lose, not just by Jesus becoming king of the Jews and, and, and doing away with their roles. They had much to lose with Rome if this thing didn't come about. And so when Jesus didn't fulfill all the messianic expectations for this this overthrow of Rome, and he didn't align himself with them, now they were in a place where they had to do something, and they had to make decisions, and they made very personal decisions, and these were completely based in their own self-interests. They threw the people under the bus when they threw Jesus under the bus. They didn't care about the people, and they proved it over and over and over again. But, but they had the right, the wrong leadership for every other time, but the right leadership from Rome for this particular time in order to bring about all the events that don't just culminate with Jesus' resurrection, but that would culminate with the destruction of the temple in AD 70, just as Jesus prophesied it would do. So now you know a little bit about the players and who these people are and why in the world there's so much tension and, and sort of the decisions people are making along the way and why they're making the, those particular decisions, what their fears are. Jesus exposed all their fears, and their fears were largely self-interest fears. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.